Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub in the Bloom, episode 113. Continuing our pockets of ADP analysis for you, going picks 200 to 250, according to NFBC OCs, which you will need if you want to beat the proper analyst. All right, you can find me on Twitter at BD the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod, and my co host, as always, on Twitter at Ryan VHQ. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? Uh, well done. Good intro. I like that one. Doing doing fantastic. We just we just picked our uh, we just picked our KDS. KDS slots for Tout Wars on Tuesday night, and I got the second pick, and you've got the sixth. Six Is that pick. right? Sixth pick. Yes, yes, sixth pick. Oh. So we'll be that'll that'll make I think for good theater mm-hmm. for our live stream, which will start at eight o'clock Eastern, five Pacific, on March fifth on Tuesday. But then we're also not like right next to each other because we did have Towers does it. I, I kind of like this rule where it's basically based on the previous year standings as your KDS the following year. Uh, so we, I think we both finished second in our leagues. Um, sorry to bring that one back up since you lost in the last good. like 20 minutes. But, yeah. but we had the second and third KDS. I was selfish and took second, probably taking Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you kind of had to you take one for the team and yep. space out a little bit. So I appreciate it. Yep, my message Bloomfield the second we got the email. I said, "Hey, if you're taking second, then I'll take something farther back. I, not the all the way at the end. I've told everybody enough. How I hate the ends and fifteens, but I'll go in the middle, leave this little breathing room to talk, and give you guys a very entertaining show because the responses from our live draft shows have been pretty cool. So, and this one will be a fun one once again because this is the first live draft where we're going head to head. Because so, say I don't, I don't think yeah. we've ever done one. Yeah. We've been in a ton of leagues together, but it's like draft and holds, and yeah. I don't think we've ever streamed one." together nope. in the same draft hopefully we have a show that thursday let's put it that way <laughs> that's, that's right i'm pretty right. sure we will yeah, but doesn't um, get too uh too, too blue. you're already talking a little bit too much trash last show but yeah we'll see i have to that's who i am all right two i am so the only way i can uh, i gotta win i gotta win at something because like you said last time you win at golf every year so um yeah that'll be tuesday night eight eastern five pacific right here might start a few minutes really depends on well, we get the official start time for the draft. That's all kind of iffy yeah. here and there, but we'll get you guys covered by three and a half hour show or so to uh, to have some fun on a Tuesday. But uh, other things, um, this is a Thursday night recording on Wednesday evening. Ryan wrapped up League Four for Bubba and the Bloom. So that was pretty fun. The auction leagues. Any thoughts on that? Um, it was tough. It was tough. Everyone knows. Everyone in the room knows who we like and don't like, and you could kind of tell uh, throughout the auction. Had a fantastic time, though. I think everyone else did in the room, and really, like, I don't know. I feel like running these four leagues because this was the last of our four. Was uh, it was a little bit of work to get everything you know set Thank up you. and logistics and surveys for times and stuff like that. But I thought it was really worth it. Like it was really cool to be able to kind of chat with listeners throughout the auction. A couple of them we streamed, uh, Mariko streamed, and then you streamed your first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was a ton of fun. I still like, I don't know. I'm still, auctions are tough. They're, they're, they're I'm, I'm trying to compare because I'm so used to drafts. Like I don't, I don't think I'm that good at auctions. I, I, I certainly don't have the experience. Okay, it's an ex- leaving, I think it's an experience thing. It, it, it must, I, I don't know. Um, and just, yeah, like a comfortability with uh, 
with trying to shape your team. It's it's kind of to me, it's a little bit, and I'll give you the floor in a sec, but it's a little bit of a blessing and a curse with an auction versus a draft. Like I enjoy the process of a straight draft of kind of know of kind of knowing it before the draft. I can kind of map out and kind of start to figure out what my team's gonna look like before. And I don't have to worry, say I have the 10th, 12th pick. Like, yeah, it kind of sucks. I don't have a chance at Acuna, but I don't have to worry about a bunch of the early player pool. Whereas an auction, you need to be prepared for every single situation. Um, honestly, I don't think I was. Um, that's that's also a benefit, though, because I mean, you'll probably get into this because you really you really enjoy the auctions. Um, you can you can do whatever whatever the hell you want, build your team how you want to. So to me, it's kind of two sides of it. I'm just not as I don't think as comfortable with it yet, but uh, but still, it was it was it was a blast. Like one of the bigger takeaways is, and you, I think you're talking about it on Twitter today. It's like the captain hindsight thing. You, you you'll be in on a player and you think you're yeah. doing the right thing, and then you see like things kind of happen like an hour later in the auction or whatever, and you're thinking, "Dang, like I totally could have done this differently." And there was a lot of that. And it's like the first draft I did, I kind of made a point to be more balanced, and I kind of was for the most part. The second one, I was just free flowing. Like I had Freeman and Trey Turner and Bryce Harper, so technically like three first round picks, and then Ozzy Albies. I was just going full full bore, not intentionally. It just kind of kept falling that way, and it worked out. And so then you're doing more of a stars and scrubs approach. I had kind of two different auctions, and it's fun. But it's like you said, is you could never do that in, the, in a snake draft. You're kind of prepping for this, that, and the other. And mm-hmm. then um, it, it, it is interesting because. You might think, okay, I'm looking in the auction. Okay, I'm looking at the player pool. I need to get a second baseman. But no second baseman gets put up there for like 30 minutes. But all these other guys that, you know, you still need three pitchers and all these guys are interesting. But now just took me out. Oh, I want him. Oh, I want him. Now it just took me out of the second baseman's I could have had. Because now I have to lower my, my, like, it's just a whole just wave of emotions. And just, like you said, in an auction, you know, you could have your, your uh, different, you know, tools on on your screens that you like to use, and all these things, and you kind of flow and kind of go in an auction. You, I, I, you tried. You gave. You said nope. I literally have my paper, barely ever referenced it once we got going. Because the good thing about the NPC software, the AAVs are up there and everything. And if you trust yeah. the numbers, which they're pretty solid numbers, you at least have a ballpark in what you want to do. Um, one of the takeaways for me always was, and some of it's just price dependent. You're kind of stuck with what you have. Is in an auction, I've noticed batting hemorrhage is very difficult, very difficult to 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 kind of uh, get those guys to build. That's why I was happy to get like a Freeman, a Harper, a Turner, and an Albies. Like those are four relatively good batting average guys because in the first one where we're balanced, you're almost throwing up batting average out the window at that point. Like you, it, So I'm not saying you have to go stars and scrubs, and again, I'm no expert, just two drafts, but it really made me feel like you need to get one or two of the kind of not big, big guys, but at least like a – close to like a $30 to $40 guys, that kind of thing. And that's why I kind of want to do more. I'm really curious about it. Um, talk to Ben Tid a lot about it because he's got his coming up and he's really excited for his first ever auction. And there's just a lot of different ways to do it. That's the beauty of it, I think. The the hindsight thing you mentioned, I think is huge. Because, yeah, I was talking to his Ben on, on Twitter yeah. today. And because uh, I, I took I took Mookie Betts at $43 and that's i think it was a dollar below his average uh that's that's a whole other thing the top like 10 to 12 players in the nfbc auctions are all 40 dollars players which yeah. which to me I, I don't think i've seen that before um but later on in the auction that that middle tier was pretty soft and this maybe just this one room whatever as to where your boy randy rosarena and 
Adelise Garcia combined went for less than Mookie Betts. And I'm like, oh, if I knew that, you know, the beginning of the auction, I think I'd, uh, I think I'd rather have those two and not have a dollar player at the end. But you don't have that hindsight as you're going. So much depends on it. It's so hard to look at. And we've got labor and tout auctions coming up, labor auctions this weekend. This weekend. It's, um, it's very deceptive to just look at an auction board and say, oh, I'd rather have this guy for two bucks less than that guy. Um, so much depends on the timing of when these guys were, were brought up. I found, at least in the NFBC, I, at least in, and again, at least in the two auctions that I did, I felt like going for those like second, third round batters made a lot more sense than yeah. going stars and scrubs to me, at least just because again, those top 12 bats were, were all $40 players. And if, I mean, I started, I started bets 43 Olsen 35 or whatever. And I was just hamstrung after that. Yeah. And where I, I logged in about an hour and a half, two hours into Ryan's last night. And I just texted him and I said, Hey, uh, you know, you need to get some of this and this, but you only have like 40 bucks. So uh, what, yeah, what's was, the plan, buddy? That was, that was encouraging. Yeah, appreciated well, that. You did that. the same thing to me in the, the home of four. So yeah, you had like 30 bucks and no outfielders left. Yeah. So which you, which you did too. And that's one thing Ben said, he said out of all the positions in the auction, the outfield position might be the best one to go scrubby on if you have to, because, and I agreed with them when we started talking about it. Cause if you look at scrubs, like say second base compared to scrubs in the outfield, much more production in the outfield, stuff along those lines. And that's just kind of learning the, the auction pool in a roundabout way. Um, I, I looked at some other things now that make me want to, again, try one more auction. Like not have a full-on like list of players, but you can have a cheat sheet. And you can do a, like a statistical cheat sheet. So now you know like what stats you want to go for and what price rates. It's, it's in depth, but there's a few different uh, websites that will provide those for you if you put the right formatting in that even I can figure it out. So that might be a little more. It almost looks like Andy Reid's play sheet. It's like color coded and everything. That's kind of more my wheelhouse. So you're in for a third. So you're in for a third. Oh, most likely. I've already yeah. told you I'm thinking about one of those. I'm thinking about a main event qualifier. I still yep. have my three OCs. Got tout wars. Like I'm just a glutton for fab punishment. But man, draft season's the best. Like we always say, draft season is the like the the best fantasy drug out there. I think, and it's just a matter of. Uh, maintaining for six months afterwards kevin in the chat with the oregon duck avatar threw me off for a second i thought there it was Scott for a second sco ducks uh strongly recommend managing a predetermined budget during the auction that is huge um manage you know kind of map out hitter and pitcher know your hitter pitcher split and kind of go through i i want you know whatever whatever it is i want two 25 guys i want and you can even do it by position. I don't really recommend that. I just did it by hitters and pitchers. Again, That's smarter. Not the expert. It. No, but, it's, it's uh, smarter. You can kind of pigeonhole yourself if, if you say, oh, I want a $13 first baseman. And yeah, like, oh, exactly. Only like three of those guys. So Yeah, and then if you get um, one of the guys you wanted to get them for, you know, eight bucks, now you have five more dollars. Where are you going to allocate that while you're on the clock still? So it's just yep. easier to put it yep. to hitters and pitchers. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. We could we could probably talk the whole episode about the auction, but I, I'm I'm super glad we did it. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you to everyone. The the 56 trademark, the original 56, original 56 who joined in with us. It was uh, it, I think it met our objective, which was to introduce listeners and ourselves to the auction format on the NFBC at a low price point where we're kind of yeah. you know feeling our way out, and uh, I, I think we accomplished that. I did. Um, Actually, before I do that, any any final? Yeah, uh, real quick, final before, things, before you pull that yep. sheet up. Yep. Uh, I do want to say again, like it's 
Ryan and I probably people think like we're kind of corny at times talking about it, but we always talk about we do the show for the people. That's kind of the whole point of this. It was really cool seeing the excitement behind it for the original 56, like the DMs we got, the Twitter things, like yes. people were all about it. And that's kind of like, okay, like Ryan said, it was kind of a weird hassle, especially with things taking place with the NFC, like at the last minute and everything to kind of get it all put together. But once it, it all happened and literally like I told Ryan, like when I finished my first one, I had like three DMs within 10 minutes of the draft being done. Like people were just pumped to be in it. It's awesome. And I've already had like a handful of people asking if we'd start a fifth one. I League said, five. No. Here yeah, we I go. Said, I, said, I said, no, it's not fair to the other original 56, but <laughs> it basically makes me think we're going to have five or six next year. Cause I, I don't I, know why we wouldn't keep doing this. I guess it should be a, maybe a yearly thing. I'm thinking we might not be able to be in all of them. If it gets too big, that's one thing I'll commit to right now. Um, at least for Ryan's sake, maybe I will, but for Ryan's sake, um, but I, I have a feeling this will be bigger next year. And I'm pretty pumped on that. And it's all because of you guys. So thank you for that. Yeah, that thought was entering my head as you started talking. Was uh, we 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 probably run this back in? Uh-huh. I don't see why we would unless something really strange happens. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Hastings in the chat. What's up, Kevin? Auction was a blast. Kevin, you sniped me on uh, Michael Garcia today in TGFBI. By the way, real quick before you finish, I'll let you finish reading this. Kevin was in my first league, I think. Secondly, I don't remember. Oh, the league I didn't have any auction, uh, any outfielders in. So uh, Kevin Kevin didn't have any outfielders either, but he had all the money left. So at, I think, our second break, I get a DM from Kevin going, hey, what outfielders do you want? Because I'll take them. And, like, basically that kind of like, hey, we're both looking for outfielders when we're talking. I'm like, oh, this is good. This is good. This is what it's all about. Potential collusion is what, I, is what I'm hearing between No, no yeah, because he, no, he's basically saying, I'm going to take them from you because like, I can buy them all. <laughs> Kevin says, had had heard it was great, but was a bit hesitant after previous online auctions. Time for a $150 one now. That's right. Took the the gateway drug. Roger Bloomfield in the chat. The auctions were really fun. Frustrating, exhilarating, and suicidal at the same time. So that's a a range of emotions throughout. Uh, And then, yeah, Kevin Michael Garcia, who I took last night for $9, which was way too much. Uh, But that leads into, so I did promise our... um, my draft room last night that I would throw this together. And as I try and click and talk at the same you got, time, you got it up there earlier. There you go. Here we go. Uh, so what I did was I took the NFBC AAV average auction value from their February auctions and just compared that to the four Bub in the bloom auctions and looked, looked at the difference if anyone wants a copy of this, I, I believe I tweeted it out earlier. Uh, but if anyone wants a copy of this, I'll send you, shoot you the link. It's just an online Google sheet. And then I took uh, the four auctions that were, you know, and the price for each player in those. And uh, one of the comments that we got back from Twitter was like, this is basically a Bubba in the Bloom target and fade list. Which is pretty close, yeah. At the at the top is Emmett Sheehan. There's there's this is uh, algebra 101. That's not truly an average. If we took the median or something of, of Emmett Sheehan, there was there was a twenty dollar bid at the end of one of the auctions to not run out of money. So that kind of skewed things. But familiar names, right? Freddie Freeman, who's been like my mm-hmm. my my first round target, uh, average at forty five in our auctions, forty two for the other NFPCs, and then two of your guys, Ohapi and and Fott. That's hilarious to me. Like, unbelievable. And it was funny in the auction, my auction, you weren't even in the damn league. Ohapi was nominated in the first round, and someone chatted, we sure Bubba's not in this league? (laughs) That's funny. 
So uh, a few others. Logan Webb went Wait, for real, three real quick, more. Real quick, I'll give Go it ahead. a break. I'm just happy because you have each date on there, and I'm looking. Because I got Fought and Harper on the February. I got the cheapest price on both of them somehow. I'm pretty pumped on that one. <laughs> yeah. On the, in the and, same draft. And so an example of that, that's, that's, let's look at uh, Christopher Sanchez. Oh yeah. Who, Bloomfield's finest. So, guy. And his two, yeah, so, your two drafts versus my two. <laughs> Christopher Sanchez has an average auction value of $5 in the NFBC. I think that's a great freaking buy. Our intelligent listeners <laughs> average for eight bucks, but not only that in the two auctions that I was in the first February 19th and the last February 28th, Christopher Sanchez went for $9 and $10. <laughs> I don't think that's by coincidence. In your auctions, he went for four and seven. That's so awesome. it, uh, it, it, it was funny to see, to see that play out for, I, I think at the time that my first auctions, Sanchez was a $4 average value and he went for 10. That's so, great. That's, uh, that, that's the kind of stuff I was putting up with. Yep. Um, yep. Do we want to flip to there? Any other names? Or there is Michael Garcia, yep. who uh, we've been we've been big on, and 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 Kevin Hastings, who we just had in the chat and was in your league. Uh, is, eleven is bucks in on. one of my leagues. Eleven bucks. went for eleven years. I took him for nine last night. It was one of those shocker. I needed a third baseman late, and I yeah. decided to pay up. But scroll, uh, scroll to Michael Harris there because that's one we've talked about a lot for second round uh, batting average. Yep. Look at those numbers, like all of them, just boom, 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 boom. Yep, we paid a premium. Um, a little bit. <laughs> Your boy Pablo. There's Pablo. A little disappointed. Pablo only went for two dollars on average more than the um, William than the average. William. Uh, there's William Contreras <laughs> plus crazy. two. Like it's crazy. Thyro Estrada. You Jake guys are Berger, amazing. Like Bo Naylor. I mean. All these guys. It is a it is more. above a target and fade. Yeah, flip it to the other it's side. Unbelievable. Let's see who we flip it to the other like. side. Let's see. <laughs> this Let's is comical. This. I hope you guys are enjoying this because I'm finding this very Yeah, I, I this I don't know if this makes for good podcasting or not, especially if you weren't in the auction league, but I think it's pretty interesting. And pretty so there are some injured fades. guys yeah. like Boz and Verlander. Ellie. Um, Esteri Ruiz, who we obviously are fades yes. on. Dylan Cease, we stay far far away we've been very negative about aaron judge at the price and ellie as well those guys are all three to four dollars cheaper than um than the average ellie de la cruz went for as low as 23 dollars in your second auction compared wow. to an average of 28 so yeah, actually ellie was the first throw in my auction last night and went for 24 that, that's a pretty cool first yeah. First Good throw, first, first nomination. Really, really find out who has the moxie right out the gate. Yep, yep. So that's fun. That's fun. That's anyway. Uh, I figured I'd throw this. Uh, yeah, throw this together and kind of see see what names come up. Yeah, interesting that Zach Geloff. The listeners agree with me. Our great, yeah. our great yeah. Geloff debate. Um, a five dollar Geloff's a nice little late second baseman because that second base pool, especially in this auction, felt like it dried up a lot. I remember that last night. That's it was one line. of those that just kind of slipped through as the old Trevor Story three dollar. Pull up Trevor through. Story. Let's see how much he went for in every other league but yours. First one. Uh, yeah, so thing. first one he went for three, then seven, eight, ten. Okay, so he went up so, by the end. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. The three dollar went out the gate, and that's all my fault. I know I'm very aware of that. Look at Jonathan India went in for zero dollars and one. That's good. That's my first one. Zero, I just if they didn't get yeah, drafted get or whatever. Yeah. yeah, didn't get thrown. 
So that's awesome. That is some fun stuff, at least in my mind. It's very so anyway. Yeah, if anyone was in the leagues and wants to see where their guys went compared to others, or even if you weren't in the leagues and want to check this out, uh, hit me up. Yep, pretty good stuff there. Before we head off the auction, uh, Gialdi says NFC auctions are amazing. They were. I'm a big fan. Big big fan of it. It is a you know, as Wilder or somebody else in one of my auctions when it was all done, basically said they're mentally exhausted. It was like a mental marathon of, of just going nonstop, yeah. which way yes. different, like to like kind of bring it all the way to the front, way different than a snake drafter. You can kind of just sit there and plan it and wait for your turns and kind of pick your poison because you only have a certain block of players to go off of type thing. Yeah, big difference. Snake draft, you can, yeah, go to the bathroom yeah. <laughs> and not miss you're anything. On, if, you, if you're on the end of a 15, you can like literally go make dinner yeah. and come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> just know. Um, so. I guess we should throw out there because you had made the comment on your first and maybe your first auction was just the longest one. Yours went like four and a half hours. But what we saw really by the end, they were going four hours. Yeah, with so the reserves. It, well done. With the reserves. So like... It's an extra half hour over a snake draft, and the NFBC gave us two five-minute breaks after the seventh round and the seventeenth, and then you got a two-minute break before the fifteenth. Okay, mine was six. I think they just adjusted. Uh, Okay, yeah. So you do get like five minutes to (laughs) do whatever. Go go to the bathroom, rehydrate. (laughs) I literally got up and walked around my house. The one I was streaming, just like stretch out for a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was good though. The only thing I will say, I know we can, again could talk about this forever. I don't know. I still would not feel comfortable going to like say labor and sitting there at a table with an auction, just to, all the papers in front of me. That'd be tough. Oh, uh, but it's it's a so much more fun, but it's also a lot slower. The live ones. I could see that being the case. It's yeah. not. It's not just a computer knocking out nominations. It you can still you still have a fast pace, but your live auctions are just by nature with humans and not a computer running it. They they are slower, so you do have a little bit of time in between. And and a lot of times, like if if a, if a bid gets won, there's some back and forth about the guy at the end. So you do have a little bit more time, kind of in between nominations on a Makes live uh, on a live thing. So makes sense. All right, again, talk about it forever, but let's move on to our pockets of ADP. Where it is our third episode here. We're talking 200 to 250 according to the OC format. And um, you said it before the show, it's a little more even hitter pitchers compared to last episode, which was much more hitter dominant, it felt like. So um, what are you seeing from your takeaways? Let's start on the hitter side of things, Bloomfield. What are we seeing takeaway-wise on the hitter side? I am seeing, yes, you're right, more pitchers going. To, to, to not answer your question, uh, more pitchers going than we saw in the last few buckets. That's why we're good um, at this. FSWA nominated, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we just ignore each other and basically talk about whatever we want to. So that's, that's probably why we didn't win. Hey, Bird. Um, the hitter side. I, I have kind of notoriously waited on outfield for whatever reason early in drafts, and I've had to make up for it. And I think this part of the draft is a nice spot to make up for it. You've got a you've got a good number of outfielders and you've got outfielders that I think are still pretty strong. So you've got Tyler O'Neill, Jared Kelnick, Starling Marte. I like I like all three of those guys. Lars Newtbar, Varsho. Um, if you need some power of speed, you've got Stephen Kwan, who's an average guy. Taylor Ward, we'll talk about. Um, you've got Lourdes Goriel, we'll talk about. There's just a lot of 
and I did this in labor, a lot of options to be able, you can grab two or three of these outfielders. That's what I did in labor. I think rounds 14 through 16 took three in a row. And I think you can make up for if you need outfield, you just went elsewhere early in drafts. This is a decent spot to make up for it. There is still some speed available. Like there's still some green as we as we show these on the, the YouTube stream. We've got 10 hitters projected for more than 10 steals. And they're not just rabbits. Nobody's projected for over 25. Starling Marte is the only one. Um, the aforementioned Michael Garcia is in here. There, you can get you can get speed this late in the draft and not have it compromise. Like, yes, these all these guys all have warts going outside the past 200, but like a Michael Garcia, you can get a good batting average with it. A Starling Marte, you can get a good batting average. Shelton Varsho, you can get a bad batting average, but also some power with it. So you can grab some speed um, at this point. And the last kind of note that I had on the pitcher side, power is starting to wane. We talked on Tuesday about all of the power bats that were available in the 150 to 200 pocket even though it may cost you in batting average, there's not much power. The, the top power projected guy at 25 homers is Byron Buxton. And, <laughs> and, and, and yeah. I, I think Byron Buxton's middle nickname is the under take the under on that. To be fair, I could see Jack, Captain Jack getting over 25 Isak get over 25, but yeah, it, it's an interesting range. I agree with the outfielders. I have a lot of shares of about three or four of these outfielders in this range. So I'm with you there. I do think it's interesting. Like I remember last episode, the hitters like batting average was kind of not available. You have a lot more of it here, not a ton, but more of it here than you did previously. Yep. Yep. Um, maybe not the big, big powers, but a lot of 20 home run guys, which is still at this point in the draft, very palatable. And then a bunch of your 10 stone base guys, like you mentioned. So it's, it's a good kind of um, probably get three and a half to four category players still to fill out your roster type thing. Uh, if it's either positional wise, like Ryan was talking about the outfielders that he needs, or if you need to look, there's uh, some middle infield. There's some positional, like double, like McMahon, Drury, Candelario, and Isak, multi-position guys mm-hmm. in this range. Uh, so you, you have some options here, which is a little different than um, previous rounds, per se. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of this range, and it kind of goes to the previous show where there was a pocket of starting pitchers we liked a lot. So it's kind of like we saw 1 to 150, get some bats, 150 to 200, get some pitchers, 200 to 250, maybe go back to bats. Like it's a whole flow thing on on these things, but we'll see. Let's talk pitchers, Ryan. What are you seeing on the pitcher side of things? Uh, Compared to last week, you've got more, I'll put in air quotes, closers. (laughs) Technically you do, yes. You've got closer specs. You've got Jose LeClerc, Alex Lang, Mason Miller is, I guess the news is he's a multi-inning guy and will not be a closer. So I don't I, yep. these these ATC projections probably aren't reflected in that yet. So I'd take the under on 12 saves. We've got like Robert Suarez, Carlos Estevez, and Robert Stevenson, who I know we don't cover the news too much draft season-wise, but Stevenson is hurt, and Estevez is the closer to start the season with the Angels. Um, how long that will that last? I don't know, but you do have more options at closer. But I think they're more speculative. Like, I don't really like the closers going, uh, you know, like LeClerc Lang. I don't even know if they have the role or are good enough to hold the role. And since we talked about the hitters, the hitter options being pretty decent, these aren't like throwaway darts that were like if 
if a lot of times you'll hear like, oh, if it doesn't work out, it was a late pick. No, like the opportunity cost for missing on one of these dart throws at closer is a Lourdes Gurriel is your third, mm -hmm. fourth outfielder. Like you, you do need these picks. So um, the quantity of closers are there. The quality, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the closers are there. Hopefully, and we're using 12-team OC ADP, so hopefully you could live with them as an RP2 because you can find a replacement value at some point, hopefully, but um, you're not warm and fuzzy about it. You prefer these to be a 3, and in a 12, I don't think you'd be taking them as a 3, so hopefully you're kind of going past this direction unless you just skipped on relievers. But SP-wise, Ryan, there's, there's a lot of guys yeah. I've speculated on here, and um, there's – there's some strikeout upside in this range, which we haven't really like to me when I'm, we're getting late in the draft, like 150 plus to me, strikeout upside. Like that's, we're not talking 200 K guys anymore. Uh, ratios. There's actually better ratios here. It feels like than we've seen lately. So again, I kind of said, you know, maybe go for out to go for positional hit, like hitters in this range. This is literally a 200 to 250. It's a great spot to, to fill holes in the early part of your draft. I should say. Absolutely. Uh, there are a bunch of names. I mean, there's there's Christopher the Great Sanchez, which we'll talk about. But man, if he doesn't come through this year, I'm just gonna feel really him and Pablo. Man, you you need to like <laughs> yeah. go light a few candles for those two. I might have to hang them up if uh, if those two guys fail. Be tough. Yeah, I made um, I made I made a ton of bull claims before. You're just fine. Trust me. There's just there's just a lot of yeah there I I like the starting pitchers a, a good number of the starting pitchers going this range we'll talk about ADP battles and targets a little bit later but uh, but I think this is definitely like and this goes back to my overall strategy of wanting to get two closers in that first one fifty picks because you are playing with fire because well a the last ADP pocket had nobody no closers outside of Alvarado. In this pocket, there's a very good chance you get like nothing in return and you're passing on starters that we both like and hitters. So it just reinforces my closer strategy. Um, and I kind of like equally the hitters and starting pitchers in this range. There's definitely some names we like. For sure. Before we get into these names we like, just some shout outs from the crew here. The Knob says, big Taylor Ward fan. We will be talking about him later. The Knob. Uh, Yep. Adam Reckham says, pitcher side, I see some upside. If you take a couple starting pitchers early, Sanchez, Savali, Bayo, if he can command better, and Lodolo, if he stays healthy through a bullpen on Thursday. So optimism there. The knob also says, a bit skeptical on Stevenson, even takes over effective as struggles. From a team perspective, it makes sense for him to not close, and I'd bet one of the other arms like Soriano, Joyce, etc. And then Mr. Kyle Bland, PLV himself. You hey. said Kikuchi, sneaky good here. Yeah, I've seen Kyle throw out a few uh, graphs and nice-looking PLV charts on one uh, Yusei Kikuchi these days. So, Listen yeah. to what Kyle says, not us. Big brain. Big brain over there, folks. That's all I got to say. Smart, smart man. All right, let's get into the the, uh, the ADP battles. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, we need I still can't think of like a good name for this segment, but because no, we're not really battling. We're just like comparing debates. two dudes. Debates. Whatever. ADP debates. Um. All right, who you got in your first one? This is this is one. So this is the UT only competition, and it's just interesting. Like I, I I have not drafted either of these two guys, but I think it makes for good conversation. And again, I'm sure listeners out there are probably considering Byron Buxton or Eloy Jimenez going very close to each other. Byron Buxton has an ADP of 206, and Eloy has an ADP of 224. So um, yes, both UT only, but both of these guys have been second rounders 
both of these guys are young enough where they can, I think, recoup some of that. Byron Buxton is 30 now. Um, but most importantly, both of these guys, at least right now, Bubba, are healthy. And like Byron Buxton played center field uh, yesterday, batted second for the Twins. Like he's going, he is healthy at the moment and will play most days, even if it is DH for the Twins. I think I still lean Eloy. I think Eloy could be like a, if if all goes right and he doesn't get hurt, a 260, 270 guy. I think there's 40 home run power with that. And I think most importantly, there's a better chance of Eloy realizing that than Buxton, who I think has a pretty major batting average risk. I, I this this didn't get talked enough. I don't think before Buxton's injuries hit. But like he strikes out a ton, hits a ton of fly balls. The ATC projection on Byron Buxton is two thirty three. So like even if Byron Buxton hits, uh, I don't like it as much as Eloy. That's fair. Like I'm torn on this one. I've seen myself um, in some some other articles and stuff I worked on. Buxton has been in, an interest of mine just because he goes so late in drafts in a twelve. Like it's now time okay to take a chance. It's mm-hmm. the old thing we said with Chisholm last year. Just let him DH. Like, don't put him in center field, please. Just don't do it. This doesn't end well for anybody. Um, but the thing with Eloy is we were all excited he was going to DH primarily last time, and he still hurt himself and, and missed all this time. So if the injuries are out there, they're going to find him. both these guys, it feels like. So batting average-wise, Eloy is a big plus, like you mentioned. 100% agree with you on that one. I feel like overall, though, even team context-wise, the Twins are better than the White Sox so much. Like, your gap's bigger than we think. Yeah. That Buxton could just, like, help so much in three – like, the runs, RBIs, homers. He says he wants to steal his more. We'll see. I don't believe a whole lot of that. Yeah. Um, and then the average, if he could somehow sweep out, like, a 240 to 250, I'm taking chances on Buxton. Um, have I left many fab leagues with either one of these guys? No. That's I, I was going to ask of you. Yeah. No, it's been in draft and hold formats only pretty much like late, late in those where you can kind of finagle things. But um, I, I have definitely in a 12 team, uh, I've talked about it with some that Buxton might make it on at least one of my OCs just to see where things go at that ADP. But again, we're going to talk about some other players in this range, which I have a lot of shares of makes it tough for me to take even one of these guys. The other interesting part here that I'll just throw in there. I think Buxton actually gets outfield eligibility Yes, somewhat early in the season, as opposed to Eloy, who yep. I think will just be a statue. <laughs> DH maybe pick up outfield eligibility like late in the year, but uh, that's another kind of feather in Buxton's cap. Is if you can hold off for a few weeks early on, you probably could stick him at outfield. Yep, and they need it. They need uh, outfielders in Minnesota. Yep. All right, we'll stick with Minnesota here for my first one: Edward Julian versus Brandon Drury. And this is kind of an interesting one to me because Julian was this. Hot topic. He was a t- big-time fab guy a couple times last year for some. And, you know, they, they, he was leading off, and he, he shows really good OBP skills, great OBP skills, but decent batting average, some pop, really no steals. And the pros stole a lot in the minors, though. So that's – I'm not going to give up on that just yet. He's going to be 25 this year. Maybe he sneaks it in there. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's just not that guy. He strikes out a ton, but, like, the profiles have showcased a ton of pull power and this and that. You know, Brandon Drury now. And he's just that boring veteran. He's going to be 31 this year, but back-to-back 20 home run seasons. We first thought it was all about Great American Small Park. Went to Anaheim, did it again. Similar batting averages the year before. Like basically what he did in Anaheim last year, very similar to what we saw in Cincinnati and uh, I believe it was Arizona. 
or the the the, or San Diego, San Diego. I think San Diego. Diego. He's been on a lot of teams. Yeah, but um, but it's just uh, he he basically duplicated it in a bad in a bad situation. Let's put it that way. Um, So I'll leave you the floor. But uh, this is an interesting one to me. And the last thing I'll mention before I give you the floor: if you look at King Curlin's MLBPlayingTime.com, Julian's a platoon guy. Where jury's playing every day. So, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think it is a little bit of the the. I, I think Julian has the higher ceiling. I think that power could be really, really nice at second base. And I think with Drew, we kind of know what we're getting, which is a solid floor. But I don't think there's like a a big ceiling with Drury. I, I would prefer Drury. I, I still, again, at this point in the draft, like I'm not ready to kind of just take wild shots. You still need these guys in your lineup producing especially in 15 teamers a little bit less so in 12s but i'd go drury i do think the the middle corner dual eligibility for drury is is huge in season um i don't think he's as much of a batting average risk as julian and might not hit as many home runs but will probably get more plate appearances because i mean the angels are going to play brandon drury yep. all they can so I, I i'd go drury over julian knowing that if I had to hit on like an 80th percentile projection or whatever, like if everything broke right, Edward Julian could be could be pretty profitable at this price. Yeah, and back to more on the Julian playing time. Like he's supposed to lead off versus righties, but sit versus lefties. Um, he's got him DHing, which that actually has been kind of the way things have been going. But you'd imagine Buxton will take some of that. So does Drury go play second base for, and Willie Castro sit on those games? Like a lot of moving parts. Uh, in in Minnesota these days, I do like Drury. It's like it's one of those things we talk about, like with McMahon. It's consistent, like he's done it, yep. and that's, it's kind of who he is. I love penciling that in. The knob even says Drury would have more home runs if he didn't get hurt. Yep, sure. So um, I think he's still there. And this Angels team, if 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 Trout can stay healthy, that'll help a lot. They do lose Sho- Shohei, of course, but um, it, it's. With Chanel, with Neto, with Rangifo, like it's it's not murderer's row, but it's not as bad as people think. Like if that's if Rendon can figure out he likes to play baseball again, that'll be fun too. Um, all right, who's your next ADP battle? All right, a lesson in not just taking projections at face value, uh, because Lars Nupar and Jared Kelnick are very close in projections. Kelnick's projected two forty two batting average, seventeen homers, fourteen steals. Lars Nupar. 17 homers, exact same. Not as much speed, nine steals, a little bit more batting average than Kelnick. I feel like Newbar is kind of that more steady uh, player. Kelnick, we know the highs and the lows. Um, so it's just interesting to see two, two guys, same position, same ADP, with kind of vastly different profiles. I, I, I'm taking a shot on Jared Kelnick. I, I think like the price is finally low enough where this could work. This is still this is amazing to me that Jared Kelnick, he's just 24 years old, man. Yeah, he's still young, still it's crazy. You'd think he's like 27, 28 after multiple failures. It is very clear Kelnick did not like the situation he was in in Seattle. Kelnick is now in arguably the best lineup in baseball, or probably not even arguably. I take the it Braves is. over the Dodgers. And you just get a fresh start for someone again who's still just 24, who has shown in the majors like we've seen flashes from Kelnick. We've seen flashes from Kelnick as, as, as late as last season had an 8.46 OPS through May. Like 
this this can work. Um, you get that change of scenery. You get the young. You know, he's still young enough to realize his prospect potential, and the price is low enough to where like. I think you take the shot here. And I know I'm being somewhat hypocritical saying I like the the even keelness. That's a word of Brandon Drury over Julian. Uh, but I just think Jared Kelnick's ceiling is like a third round player. And so that's that's why I would I would I would go for Kelnick here. Yeah, I, I lean Kelnick as well. Uh, a little a couple of nuggets for Team Japan's large new bar. Um we projected it third against lefties and seventh versus righties. So at least he's in the lineup both days. I know we talked about it on the review shows with Newt Bar. I'm a, I'm a fan of his overall profile. Injuries just crushed him last year. There's a 20 home run guy with like 10 to 15 steals there. Like there's, there is a, a productive yeah. ball player there with a decent average. Cardinals offense as a whole sucked last year. Um, do we see that happening two years in a row? Maybe, maybe it's, it's a possibility. But I think we will see a good year from Newt Bar, barring health, of course. But I am 100% with you on your thoughts on Kelnick, on taking the chance. Like, this is the time of the draft from here on out where you can start taking those chances. And Kelnick is a dude that you mentioned he could be a third-round guy. Like, he could be a uh, – he could hit 30 home runs. I don't think anybody would be like, wow. Like, yeah. he's got that skill set. Yeah, this could be like a um, – I don't know exactly who to compare him to. But yeah, if he goes like 30-15 while hitting 260, that means he'll probably score 90-plus runs and drive in 90-plus RBIs like on that offense. It's that crazy to do. So I'm with you. Like If you're going to start taking chances on dudes, this is one of them for sure. So Kelnick for me as well. We do have a driveline shout-out from Adam in the chat. Adam, I think you're talking – well, I actually don't know who you're talking. He went to driveline before the start of last year. I'm not sure if that's Newt. Kelnick or, or Newt. But, I think it's Newt, but I could be wrong. There is there is the driveline narrative there. So, Yes, the good old driveline narrative. All right, I got us one pitching debate here because, like I said at the beginning of the show, a lot of these pitchers are – they feel very similar to each other or there's like pros and cons depending on your builds and what you want to try and so on and so forth. So I went Reed Detmers versus Yusei Kikuchi. And – to me, it's pretty interesting because Detmers had that really strong run where he changed changed the pitch mix. I'm pretty sure it was a slider. He used a lot more. Things are great, and he kind of regressed a little again. Like there's a roller coaster with Detmers, but you've seen what could be there. Kikuchi, horrific year two years ago, comes back, looks much much better this last year. As Kyle Bland mentioned earlier, uh, he's sneaky good there. There's there, I've seen him Bland put some discussions out. Nick's talked about it. Some other guys have talked about it using charts and all these things like. There's some pitches he has that are just filthy, like filthy, filthy. It's just a matter of Kikuchi putting it all together. That's always been the problem because walks are, have been an issue in his career. So how do you pick between Detmers and Kikuchi? Uh, I, I like Kikuchi. Uh, not quite a bit more, but I I, I, I prefer him. I, I think the step forward we saw from Kikuchi last year is pretty legit. Like there was, there was it, there was, and I always, always look for that, that, that pitch mix change, a uh, ton more, like ton more curveballs, missed, missed a ton of bats with that while also improving the walk rate. And like workload has been an issue for Kikuchi in the past, had never thrown more than like 165 innings in a season through 168 last year. But, uh, the skills held up just fine, even improved in the second half. So I think Kikuchi can handle that higher workload. And the last big thing is really like draft pitchers on good teams. I'm not saying Toronto is going to be like really good, but they're going to be a hell of a lot better than the angels. And I think your win potential with Kikuchi as well is, uh, is not huge, but 
bigger than Reed Detmers. Like, I don't know how many games Reed Detmers <laughs> or the Angels win in, in 2024. That's fair. That's totally fair. Uh, Eileen Kikuchi as well. It is a roller coaster. And like the knob says, so many bad memories of Kikuchi's first four years. Is he going to, and he is going to be 33 and the East got tougher, still gives up homers. I do like Detmers, but I lean Kikuchi for the wins. Yeah. Kikuchi showed he could do it last year against the East in an improved pitcher's ballpark. So, and the pitch, the pitch mix change he made was very, very strong. So the last big thing stuff. on Detmers is, uh, yeah, that second, I didn't really talk about him, but that second half slide, man, when you get an 8% drop in K rate and yep. a full mile an hour drop on the fastball velocity and a three tick drop in swinging strike, like that's, that's yep. worries. Yep. Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring him up because Detmers is a popular name and like, hey, this is a late dude that blah, 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 blah. And I see the argument to an extent, but there are some red flags for sure. Adam says Detmers is the guy I bought Velo oh, in yeah. spring and he fell apart yep. late in games. Yep. And Adam mentioned Newt Barr is the driveline guy. So, Lesson, whatever number in uh, not, not spring training. You know, news versus noise in spring training. Yep, news versus noise. All right. I'm going to go take a lap real quick. We're going to yeah. talk targets for a minute. And usually Ryan does this when I talk catchers, but I'm going to let him have his moment here. So who's your first uh, your first target, Ryan? Yeah, we talked about those five-minute breaks in the NFBC yeah. auction. Um, I left. I left the show last last show when, when you talked about Ohapi. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if you want to go do whatever. Uh, Christopher Sanchez, like I think I think everyone who listens to the show at this point like this, this is the pitcher I'm trying to leave every draft in if I can. Uh, I guess, I guess the word is out that I like him. Uh, Paul Sporer took him very early in labor uh, because he likes him as well. So that's probably a good thing too. It's just what we saw from Sanchez really all season, but even getting better in the second half with the development of his changeup, a pitch that is one of the best pitches or was one of the best pitches in baseball last year with a, a, a 23 percent swinging strike rate which is huge the average on that for a changeup, i think is like 15 percent, and it gets ground ball 70 percent ground ball rate framber valdezian and Framber valdezian that's a beautiful term you just made there thanks thanks and he threw that change up more often upping the usage from 20 to 33 percent at the expense of his sinker so Christopher Sanchez, I will admit, does not have the – if you look at Christopher Sanchez's minor league numbers and track record, it's not there. I would I would argue this is a different pitcher than what we saw in the minors. Um, and, again, at at the price, like, this is this is where you take the shot. I, I don't – you know, the, the walk rate was so much better last year. Uh, the command was so much better. I don't know if there's, like, a huge strikeout ceiling with Christopher Sanchez, but – you 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 put control with ground balls on a good team and it's still decent ability to to miss bats like it's all there for Christopher Sanchez. Yep, yep. I um. What do I have to add? This is your guy. What the hell am I going to say about it? Yeah. So yeah, pretty simple there, stuff. There, there will be no counterpoints taken. No, I will I'm not just, accept. Yeah, I'm just not even going to try to be snarky about this <laughs> and sarcastic. I'm just going to let you have your moment and I'm going to walk away. The, the schedule was easy for Sanchez down the stretch last year. People have been saying as well. So, but I don't know. These are still major league hitters, man. Ooh, the knob says the walk improvements were huge. Otherwise, I'd be getting Patrick Sandoval vibes. Oh, <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't want Patrick Sandoval vibes. That's, that's a name that is not allowed to be said on this show. Man. Um, all right. Well, speaking of the Angels, my first guy is Taylor Ward. Uh, we've kind of talked about him a little bit lately and, 
you know, we say certain spring news is good, certain not. We talked about Taylor Ward. You get hit in the face of the baseball. I need to see you have like your confidence back. He looks like he's getting back to being Taylor Ward, which is a guy that was going a lot higher than this in past seasons for good reasons. Like after 2022, 23 home runs, five steals, 281 average, 73 runs, 65 RBIs. Very formidable. Uh, that was like in his first full run in the bigs. Last year, 14 homers, 253, 97 games. Again, got hit in the face. Now he's back to being the main uh, outfielder is what I'm going to say, outside of Trout. I think Trout is DH. Just don't even mess around anymore, but we'll see how that goes. But you got Taylor Ward, who's going to hit uh, in the middle of the order, fourth or fifth, it looks like most days, just a straight-up left fielder for the Angels. I think he's got 140-plus games in him. Uh, right now, most projection sites have 127, 20-plus homers, 271 average. So a couple of things I see there. He's not a he's not a batting average drain, which you get as the draft goes on. He's got 20 plus home run power. He's not going to crush you and runs or RBIs. Like I think if he those those numbers I mentioned in 2022, he was hitting like first or second. So now he's in the middle of the order. Could drive in more runs in this scenario as well. So I think Taylor Ward to me is a guy that when we do our review shows, assuming he stays healthy all year, we're talking about a guy that'll be going in the closer to the 125 to 150 range compared to 250 this year because that's where he was going last year that's where he was no you're right so i think we're gonna be back to that taylor war guy for this year so these are the kind of guys like the way ryan mentioned kelnick taking chances on kelnick is taking a bigger chance than than taylor ward i'll agree with that he's got a higher ceiling than taylor ward 100 percent. but taylor taylor ward i feel just once healthy like he should be right now he brings a great floor to your team at this point in the draft so i like taylor ward quite a bit i mean he's a guy who's done it Yep, that's that my 2022 line. Yeah. Like yeah. we we have seen it and we've seen it as recently as 2022, where he did not get hit in the face uh in July and out for the season. I I mean I we've talked about it a little bit at this point, but like it is that, you know, how mentally how does he react and get back in and um has been playing so far in spring and and looking good. That is one where I do kind of look at and see how he's he's doing in the spring, just because that was such a traumatic injury. Um, yeah, I think a 230 price for Taylor Ward. I'm, I've been grabbing him a bunch. I don't, I don't really see why he's that cheap because uh, you are getting a pretty good batting average power combo with even like a handful of bags in there. He's not going to hurt you anywhere. Plays all the time. I, I'd, be, I like I'd be willing to bet main event season he's going 50 picks higher. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. The knob does say Alec Manoa ruining seasons in more than one way. That, that's yes. right. It was yeah, a it was Manoa. Uh, that's right. It was a Manoa. Yeah. The knob's got the jokes. I'm a fan of this guy. Like oh, the snarkiness is good over here. Um, and then Ryan Lacero says Angels offense is extremely undervalued this season. Doesn't help Aaron Doan is stealing heads. I agree. Like we like yeah. somehow and they're they're affordable. Like I'm in. I'm and in. maybe I should take back that Detmer's comment about like low wins, but I just I don't see Trout I don't see staying healthy all time. season. I just as a whole, I don't see that offense being that great. But there definitely are individual parts to that offense that from there's, a fantasy perspective we we both like. Uh, nominal uh Luis Rangifo shout out because we have to yeah, do you it have to show. be on the show. Got to get paid yeah. for it. Um, yeah, they're, they're just one of those teams that they're they're valued because they're late. If they were going earlier, they wouldn't be providing what we'd want. So yep, yep. All right, I like your next pick. He's another kind of boring, steady dude. So who do you got here? Yeah, this one I really don't understand. Lourdes, so Lourdes Gurriel is a guy coming off a two sixty one season where he hit twenty four homers for the Diamondbacks, eighty two RBI, five steals. Like that's almost that's a 
in terms of like dollar value, that's a mid teens dollar guy going with pretty much, I don't want to say no risk, but like pretty much no risk going at 240. That that makes like zero sense to me. The ATC projection uh has and maybe it's the projections don't like Guriel that much. Like ATC projection projects yeah, I can't even get it out. Pro- projects Lourdes Guriel to only hit 16 home runs. Um, I would, I, I don't know why. I think he's a 20 plus home run guy. And I don't understand why Lourdes Guriel is going this late. It, it makes no sense to me. Like he's going right next to Kerry Carpenter, which like Carpenter might have a little more power, but from a playing time standpoint, batting average, I don't even think it's close. I'm 100% with you. Lourdes is on uh, quite a few squads in, in my world that uh, I'm a big fan of what he can do. Great floor, middle of the order. That D-backs team was not a fluke last year, folks. They're going to keep getting better. There's a lot of young talent that's coming up the pipeline there. Get used to watching D-backs win baseball games for a few years. That's all I'm going to say. So Guriel's uh, him returning. And the thing is, he was going even cheaper when he was a free agent, and I was hoping Arizona was the return and very yeah. glad. That was the landing spot. Well, he did sign pretty early. Yeah, but we also started drafting we also, early. <laughs> early. Yeah. Tell, tell us you're addicted to this thing and you draft in November without telling say, us you're addicted. And let's just say I've done about probably 16 or 17 drafts. I'd guess about eight of them he was still a free agent. My man signed <laughs> like before Thanksgiving. You're like, back when he was a free agent, I was getting a value on him. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Um, that's me too. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm blooping myself into that. Gialdi says Kerry Carpenter was on a hell of a singer. Yeah, he was. He was. He had a good run. Very, very good run. Great, great fab pickup as the season went on. All right. My next guy is pretty common. We've talked about him a ton. Even on this show, we've talked about Michael Garcia. If Kevin Hastings is still in the chat, my hat tip goes to you for mentioning this on my uh, Royals team preview on Bench with Bubba. And Kerland uh, doing a few things, uh, listening through the tea leaves, I guess, or reading through the tea leaves, however you want to say that. Um, Mikel Garcia, should, they want him to lead off. And, and Kerland has him leading off against lefties and righties on his page. And that skews all the projection monsters' hopes and dreams because they have him at 131 games and 542 plate appearances. He's going to start every day leading off. He could, let's just say, 150 games. He's probably approaching 650 plus plate appearances, I'm going to say. Um, and that gives him probably 12 ish home runs, 13 maybe. But more importantly, you're talking a dude that's got legit 30 plus stolen base upside leading off up there. Like he could run wild. We know the Royals have run wild. We saw Witt do it. And then Witt will be hitting behind him. So that means a whole lot of runs scored from Mikel Garcia as well. So this is one of those guys late in the draft, not going to crush you on average. He could provide 10 to 12, 13 home runs, 30 plus steals, 100 runs. I'm going to say 100 runs could be crazy because it's the Royals. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But Bubba, um, easy. I, I, I just love Michael Garcia. And so do people that were in the fab, uh, the auctions with us. So that's proven. Um, yeah, Mikel Garcia, this is one that if you don't take an early third baseman, and this is where I'm trying different things out, like don't, because I have so many Machado Bregmans, try not to do that. Maybe land on um, Hayes or Michael. I'm a big fan of those scenarios. The only thing I'll kind of add, you covered it well, and I fully agree. Since I did take Mikel Garcia at nine bucks in the in our final listener league auction, is don't sleep on that power. Um, I think a lot of folks see four homers in 515 plate appearances last year from Garcia and think this is like a slap hitter. Like, no, he's not going to hit 20 home runs or whatever. But there, there's there's some juice in this bat to where you're not getting like a Nico Herner kind of guy. 
So there's 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 enough power there with the plate appearance boost. If he does stay in the leadoff role uh, for most of the season, I could see 10, 15 homers. Yep. So. And uh, Gialdi says Bakel is an excellent defensive player. Which matters. So, Absolutely yep. matters uh, for playing time. All right. Who's your third target? Ooh, Michael Garcia is almost you know, 14 games at shortstop. I've got my Tout yeah. Wars say, if you, if brain you on, Yahoo, which is 15 yeah. games. If you play Yahoo, he's probably shortstop third base eligible. So have fun, folks. Yeah. Um, Nathaniel Lowe, I won't spend too much time on him, but. Uh, but I think again, just a solid one. One of you we we mentioned at the top batting average is somewhat available at this portion of the draft, which feels kind of weird this late. But Nathaniel Lowe is someone who not only has a good batting average, but a good batting average in a good lineup. We saw this with Jonah Heim last year in Texas. Can really take those kind of hidden categories, runs in RBI, and boost those up even more with like twenty home run power. So if you're if you're kind of waiting on or not waiting on first base, but like looking to fill your corner. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe, just solid, not, not the highest ceiling in the world, but someone who's going to play every day in a great lineup, have a good, good batting average and, and decent power. And I think at ADP of 229, like that, that seems very cheap to be able to get that. And just another like name late at first base. If you're yep. looking at the position as a whole, you can wait, you can wait, you can wait here and, and end up just fine. Yep. It's the whole like theory is. So sometimes cover names look at stat lines and at first base, there's so many fun names up top. But if you just literally say, I'm going to screw it and wait on that position and, and, and make other positions stronger, it's a strategy to definitely go off of. Like it's, it's definitely a strategy to go off of. Uh, Kyle Bland mentions uh, low makes good decisions and a boatload of contacts. So he agrees. And that's a, one of the metrics that they have over there on the app is like the decisions metrics and makes sense for a guy that walks as much as he does as well. It seems like. All right, my last guy here, um, I was just trying to take one for kind of an upside play and kind of a Kellenic way, but Kellenic's a better upside play. I'm not going to say that. But uh, Kyle Harrison, I just want to give him a little shout-out because when he got called up, everyone was talking about his walk issues. And, yeah, he had walk issues. I'm not going to deny it, but I kept telling people when he got called up that like his last three or four starts in AAA, they were going down. They dropped massively from AAA to the big 16% in AAA to seven and a half at the bigs with a 23.8% K rate, which also dropped. But what I love to see is he threw over a hundred innings last year. The development is definitely, he's only going to be 22 for crying out loud. Like this is just, he got drafted in 2021. Um, the dude's super young. We saw that the developments, what I wanted to see and he's coming to camp. And again, a lot of it could be hearsay and whatnot, but he looked good in his first outing. There's a lot of great rumblings from like Logan Webb and other guys that are like watching him and working with him and seeing these kind of things. So it's more of a like if you want to speculate on, on a pitcher because he's like at the back end of this 250, so he's not like one of the top guys. So if you're if you're going through it, this is like your SP six, maybe five six, give or take on how you're how you're drafting. And you want to take a chance. He could provide you a ton of strikeouts, which is a category that's just you need a ton of to begin with, but harder as the draft goes on. And if he can figure it out, he could probably be like a 3-8 ERA guy maybe instead of a 4-1. Yeah. And that plays out phenomenally if he's getting over a K per inning, throws 140 innings. Like this is – it's big boy stuff, and I think he's really close to doing it. If it's not this year, it'll be next year. So I just want to throw out a little shout to Kyle Harrison. Now you're selling me on it. I just bolded him on my sheet. So it's let's, just an upside play. It's out. one of those he could easily drop if he's still throwing yeah. walk issues. Like he's he's an easy but, drop compared to some of these other guys on this list at pitcher, where it's just kind of those are the kind of pitch 
the upside players I like to take. But, but the thing with Harrison, at least in what we saw, it was only 34 innings in the majors last year. He had a league average walk rate and a league average uh, ball rate, which, again, I, I look at all the time to kind of validate that walk rate. If Kyle Harrison can stay league average in terms of control, he's got the whiffs and the ability to miss bats and the stuff to uh, to make that work. And just one last shout out to Chris Blessing, our prospects guy, Baseball HQ. He wrote up Harrison in the Baseball Forecaster, ended it with more ready than some rookie, some other rookie starting pitchers. And yeah. just feel like at 250, that, that makes sense to go with it. And, and then a couple of just random things. He had no more than two walks in any game. He threw at least five innings in um, five out of seven, which I think is good considering people are worried about that. It was one game. He gave it four home runs to the Padres. Other than that, it was pretty steady going, almost quality start type stuff if he went six innings. So I'm just saying there's options for sure. Yep. Um, Roger Bloomfield wants to know thoughts on Gruesome Grissom. Gruesome Grissom. Fawn Grissom. Yeah, we haven't talked about him going 242. It's funny. The uh, This time last year, Von Grissom was like the polarizing guy. Was he gonna was he gonna play with the Braves? Was he not? If he was gonna play with the Braves, the prevailing thought was this is like a sixth, eighth round pick. I may be getting I may be exaggerating that a little yeah, bit. But you're, you're not far off. But I don't think I, I don't think I'm that far off. So it's yeah. funny to see now that Von Grissom has a job, is still only 23 years old, people going at 242. Um I think it's a fantastic buy. I think it's a fantastic buy, especially you know, I'll actually transition this into the fades unless you have anything to add, but no, he's going no right problem. next. He's going right next to boring Ryan McMahon, who I, who I have listed as a fade with, with the caveat that we are now shifting into fab leagues and not draft and hold. And I think, especially once you get down to like two fifty, which is where, where Ryan McMahon's going, especially right next to Vaughn Grissom. You don't really want Ryan McMahon just kind of there every day, like doing not much. You want to take the shot on a Vaughn Grissom. And if it doesn't work out, you cut and move on. Um, the schedule, I, I don't think the Rockies get a full home week for quite some time. Yep. And they start on the road, I think, for their first three series their first 10 games of the season so like again just thinking from a fab aspect kind of shift that mindset like in 12 team leagues i i think it's hard to kind of roster ryan mcmahon and just get like meh stats he is someone who i know you were on and i was a fan of in drafting holds because you do need those plate appearances but i think once you start flipping over to fab leagues like take guys with the ceiling if it doesn't work out cut and move on question for you then why do you like brandon drury because I think he's, I, I think Brandon Drury's like quite a bit better than Ryan McMahon. Okay, okay, that could be a bet later on. We'll see. Ooh, could be, McMahon could be. versus Drury. We'll see. We'll see. MccMahon will steal a few more bags. Drury's got to stay healthy. Both, it's good. No, it's a good both, comp. Both, both you, look at, you look at ATC very similar. Very similar comp. Very similar. So I'm All just right. curious. Just curious. I, know, I I did not sell you on McMahon. So we no. Might... One thing I'll say with McMahon is yes, DC much better. Fab leagues, OC, probably not. I could still see the 15 team appeal because that is just a floor that plays in, in a 15. So we'll see. We'll see. Something to talk about later for sure. Uh, my first one is pretty cut and dry. I have been anti Carlos Correa for years. I'll give him this much three straight years of at least 135 games. That's that's a plus. 
he hit 230 last year, a career low. Uh, 18 home runs, always hurt. He like plays with injuries, doesn't just sit out. You just kind of know what you're getting. He's going to get you maybe 20 home runs, hit you 250, 260. Counting stats are kind of like it's nothing flashy. Again, similar to what you mentioned with McMahon, like give me something with some upside at this point. And honestly, I hope I'm not taking a shortstop here. So um, I'm just I'm just out on Carlos Correa because the other part is with Correa. You talk about guys feeling old. He's only 29. Dude's been playing since 2015 at age 20. He's he's been out here forever. I'm just I'm, I'm done with Correa. I, I'm with you. Um, Gialdi in the chat. Seems like we're due for a Rockies hitter to have a nice year. Who's your pick? I would go Ezekiel Tovar. Yep, Tovar, baby. Rockies. 2020 season from Ezekiel Tovar. Bring it. Next fade for me, Tyler. Let's let's bring. We haven't brought up catchers yet, man. We got to. Because all the know, good catchers are gone. Doing okay we, talked there. we talked about all the good catchers are gone. I'm, I'm proud, Papa. Like we're, they're not even on the board anymore. Which is why Stevenson for me is the fade. I think if you take Stevenson, like just wait and take. I don't know. <laughs> someone later, and and go take Lourdes Goriel instead. Like don't waste to don't waste to pick this quote unquote high on Tyler Stevenson. You you have missed the catcher cliff by this point by not taking Luis Camposano at pick two hundred five, where Stevenson's at two thirty four. And I would also, if if you're stubborn and want to get a good second catcher, grab Henry Davis. Is going right next to Tyler Stevenson, and just take a third catcher to get you through the first couple weeks of the season uh, in your last round is, is what I would rather do than take Tyler Stevenson. who really like hits in a good ballpark, but that's about it. Like he's projected for 12 home runs. It, I, there's just nothing there. He's not who we thought he'd be. I'd rather wait for like Jake Rogers, even Joey Bart. If you're at this point, just say, screw it and wait. Exactly. Type, type scenario. The only thing I'm going to mention about Henry Davis, uh, I heard someone else mention it's the reason why I've been off of them this whole time. So I might as well throw it out there. I don't think he's going to get it as fast as people think the catcher eligibility. They want to play us Bunny Grundle. <laughs> so, um, do you they, need, you need do to they, get, it's do the they want to play us Bunny Grundle. It's the Pirates. They play Jacob Stallings forever. Um, this is what they do. It might take like six weeks instead of like, two. nah, six, dude, you only need 10 games, man. Yeah. If you play That's one twice, game a week, or twice a week is five weeks, dude. Uh, Maybe, maybe. I'm saying it's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna be all as, as cut and dry, simple as people think. It's too late in the night to debate. Yeah. It's at least a month. It's at least a month. So just have a backup plan for at least a month. That's all I have to okay. say. All right. All right. My next one is Tristan McKenzie. Sticks. Love the talent. Not loving the health. Let's put it that way. Sticks through 16 total innings last year. He tried to come back, which is good. He finished on the mound, as people say. But it was less than ideal. He could only he finished with four innings uh, in his last outing. Strikeouts weren't there. It was just a kind of it didn't leave me all warm and fuzzy. Let's put it that way. So I'm just off of McKenzie full full go this year. I need to see him actually be healthy for a season before I can even with all the other pitchers we talked about here. Tristan just can't go off the board for me at this point in time. Sixth round pick for me in labor last year, so that hurt. At least he um, had unlimited ILs to put him on, so that worked. Yeah, but he came back and threw. Yeah, that 10K I think he walked five too. or he threw ten k. This was oh right my god, here. yeah, right I don't right do it. But uh, yeah. I missed the ten k game. I put him in the following game. I think he walked five or six guys. McKenzie yeah. did, and that was like that was it. So um, I agree on that fade. My last one is Lucas Giolito. So we preach volume on the hitter side. This is a case where volume on the pitcher side is probably not a good thing. Lucas Giolito is projected by ATC. 
for a 460 ERA and a 133 whip. And you're going to get a lot of innings of that. And you don't want a lot of innings of that. Take Christopher Sanchez instead. So in reality, this was more of a re- repeat of we need to draft Sanchez. We don't Basically fade every pitch <laughs> going before Sanchez at this point in the draft because, you know, yeah. Um, my last one's Alex Lang of the Detroit Tigers. You mentioned there's really not a trustworthy closer here. And I just wanted to mention it because people see 26 saves last year, which is actually really good. He's predicted to get 20 saves because I just don't see a ton of guys in Detroit taking it from him. There could be. There are options per se, but we said that last year. Lang still got the job. The The biggest thing for me, though, is he's going to crush your ratios. Uh, 3.6 ERA last year, uh, 3.41 the year before, 4 the year before that, and the whip, 133, 123, 149. He had a 15.6% walk rate last year. Um, that is dreadful to any team. So he's just crushing your ratios. And I 100% think he's a, a fade for me. Um, Lang or Carlos Estevez? You're sitting at the end of your draft. You need a second closer. You just need saves. You go Estevez. I'm going Estevez. Yeah. At least, man. I sounded too confident in that. But. He's, he had stretches of being pretty good, at least. And then stretches yeah, of just yeah, stretches crushing of, you. Yeah. Crushing you. Being like, pretty bad, too. Okay. A couple comments here. Gialdi. Grandel isn't going to make it too long. Davis will be C1 for them by June. Yeah, June. June. Yes, June. Um, the knob part of the Grandel thing, I'd bet the entire time Davis was in the minors, the belief I keep seeing was he wasn't good behind the plate. I've heard that as well. Um, we have more comments here. Yes, he's bat first. Okay, this is more uh, Davis Grandel talk. Um, Gilito, there you go. Gilito's ADP is going to rise if there's any form of velo bump. Agreed. Kyle Bland's has a 460 ERA prediction is wild. And then uh, Estevez is yeah. down four miles. The one thing I, I'm not worried about, is we see it with relievers a ton, the velo thing, and they work their way back up. I even heard Trevor May mention that on Rates and Barrels. Um, like starters, you want to see it like more consistent velo throughout their starts. I can't remember what reliever pitched on Thursday. He was up two miles an hour after his previous outing. You'll see closers do this a lot. Um, still monitor. If it's, like, if it's a consistent thing, then be worried. Yeah. But let's see a few starts with these closers because – Trevor May joked that um, to be ready for the season, he only needed like as anywhere like twelve to fifteen bullpens, and he'd be ready. Where a starter needs like twelve to fifteen, like good long bullpen slash starts on the mound type thing. So it's a big difference because I think they were talking about like the like you mentioned last show about Montgomery and those guys, the free agent pitchers, the concern there. He said relievers were fine. We could like literally walk in and give us like two weeks and pretty much be ready to roll. <laughs> so that was um, that was the Craig Kimbrell holdout thing as well. That was they yeah. signed him and he was he was in. All right. We got a couple listener questions here. So let's fire these bad boys off. And then get you on your merry way. Uh, that Vols fan eighty one ninety nine Brandon says prediction on who will finish higher in the listener league overall, Bubba or Bloom? <laughs> like, I think we know um, what each of us are going to say. So. Yeah, I mean, I will say I'm currently at a disadvantage because I took Cody Senga in my first league at twenty two bucks. So I've, I'm already uh, fifty fifty one forty nine in terms of Bubba. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. We'll see how it goes. I think it's gonna be fun. It'll be very fun, and hopefully, one of us wins the jersey. Bulls fan was in our. Uh, I was gonna make some UT jokes since I'm a Virginia Tech guy, but uh, 
Uh, Vols fan was in our auction in my auction last night, so that was he was he was having a good time in there. So nice. Edward Gillis, he writes to us, "Hi guys, in my last draft, these three outfielders went in the 19th round in a 15-team draft. Uh, how would you rank them? Nelson Velasquez, uh, Parker Meadows, Max Kepler." Jeez. Um, uh, I go Kepler, Velasquez, Meadows. I'd go Kepler, yeah, probably the same. But those two, I mean, Velasquez and Meadows are polar opposites. Like, yeah, what do you need? If you need power or speed, they're they're close enough to just go with what you need. But yeah. I do think uh, Max Kepler, far away. Where, where the hell is he on his sheets? He might be outside the top 250. He's really this was, cheap. This was 19th round in a 15 team where he's way too cheap every year. I can't remember what I wrote. I wrote about it in one of my mock draft things for Fantasy Pros. Every single season, he almost gives you the same line, and he always goes to the end of drafts. Yeah, we'll talk about him next. Other. We'll talk about him next Thursday for sure. Because yeah, yes. that's yeah. He also asked us to rank Jared Jones, Jackson Job, Jacob Mizarowski. So three prospects. A lot of Jays. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't know. Um, the little bit I've looked at, I'll say Mizarowski, Jones, Job, long term Job. But they've already yeah. flat out said that he's not really going to be an impact until at least later this season. That's good. Agreed. That's the one thing I will say. I saw those blurbs out there somewhere. And then Adam Reckamp, who's been in the chat with us, says, I'll be tuning in for the Mikel Garcia and Christopher Sanchez love. He knows us. Oh, we, we, we gave the love. Yes. But he also let, hoped to hear some Aaron Savali love too. Like his upside this year at his price. Thoughts? Um, I was huge on Savali entering last season and i mean pitched pretty well but only 122 innings that's, that's my thing with savali is 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 the workload is the volume he's he has not thrown more than 132 in a season over the last five years and so um like you're not getting the volume the per inning ratios are probably fine but the strikeouts i'm i, I thought we'd see a bigger bump in k's from aaron savali last year and we just didn't see it with the Rays, a 23% strikeout rate with a swinging strike like right at 10. Those that's that's pretty marginal. So I'm a, I'm fine with Savali. Like I, I I would take him over Lucas Giolito, for example. But I don't I don't see the ceiling that I saw last year, which again could be fine this late in the draft. Yeah, that's my biggest thing. And Adam said 29% K rate with Tampa Bay. It was better with Tampa uh, yep. Bay, but and that's one of those things. Like I'm kind of interested, but at the same time, we've got Braxton Garrett. Brian Bayo, who I like, Nestor Cortez, I'm interested in. Uh, you mentioned Christopher Sanchez, um, Kikuchi, Kyle Harrison, I guess Cutter Crawford, even. There's so many guys in this range that I kind of trust their strikeout appeal, but Bayo, maybe not so much. I'll admit that. But um, there's a group here I'd rather take a chance on. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the raise split is. Is good. Um, I do just worry about raise and injuries, and you add Savali's health woes on top of that. But yep. I don't know. He, he could definitely work out here. Definitely could. And then calling my shot with the last one here, he was in my um, my auction. He says, I went up for two guys, Logan. Like he was commenting on your sheet. Logan Webb for $27 and a hoppy 13 and took advantage of two discounts and Snell at 18 and House on Kim at 12. With zero games played, I feel good about myself. And that's the beauty of the auctions is you might overpay for some, you might underpay underpay for others. Let's see where the dust settles. Is Blake Snell a discount? We'll see. I took. Day, I, I, I made, took the, I made this. Yeah, I made this stance a couple days ago with Montgomery, and two days later, still hasn't signed. Let's see. Uh, 
See if he signs by Tout Wars. Yeah, we'll see. It should be interesting to say the least. We need to, I said by the end of the week, so get on it, boys. Get on it quick. We'll see where it goes. But on that note, Mr. Bloomfield, we're going to head on out of here. So any final thoughts as next time we reconvene on this old uh, YouTube venture, you, me, Tout Wars, head-to-head. It's going to be. We'll be head-to-head. It's not head-to-head league. Let me clarify for people. Yeah, it's it's going to be electric. I can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be like labor, but probably even more fun because because oh, yes. uh, you can't just sit there and drink and oh, I can. lob insults at me. <laughs> oh, I you can. Have, you have to, well, you can, but you also have to draft a team while you do that. So good luck. You've apparently never been to barf drafts. <laughs> this is my wheelhouse. <laughs> I have not. I have not. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a blast. Hope you all tune in. Tell your friends. Tell your families. Let's get a big party going. Order some pizzas. I don't care. Do what you got to do. I hope to see the big screen up. I think we will. So make yeah. that one happen. We'll let, we'll, uh, we'll promote it pretty hard. We'll get the YouTube link out ahead of time, and you guys can uh, – yeah, it's going to be fun. Kyle Bland, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll see you all on Tuesday. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Thanks for listening, as always. Ryan's on Twitter at RyanBHQ. The podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. I'm at BD Intrick. This was Bubba and the Bloom, episode 113. Catch you all next time. Uh,